Over the last few years, I've heard a lot about how the art scene in Vancouver is disappearing. From the closing of beloved music venues and independent galleries like Hot Art Wet City, to a general laissez-faire attitude of people who live in Metro Vancouver. To an observer, it could look like the support for the arts is declining and creativity is leaving. But is that actually the case? I've enjoyed attending a number of art shows, big and small, theatre productions and performances from local bands, and while I do get the sense that audiences are smaller, there does appear to be a lot of underground support for local artists. For this episode, I dig deeper into what it's actually like to be an artist living and creating in and around Vancouver. In speaking with creative individuals from different disciplines, I explore the different ways in which they reach out to their audiences and if finding their way is more than just making it work. I'm Mandy Sung, and I'm a contemporary figurative painter living and working in Mount Pleasant, Vancouver. I really love being so close to everything, and I can walk to openings, and I'm way more in touch with everything that's going on now. Originally from Banff, Mandy went to art school in Calgary, where she lived for a bit after graduation. And then I got the opportunity to show in Vancouver, so I moved here because it was just more convenient and I needed an excuse to move here. And it's been really great just having places to show my kind of work. I worked a few part-time jobs and I ended up showing my work to Aiden Gallery, which is closed now, and that was 2009. What was it like to move across the Rockies, leaving her friends and community behind in Calgary? When I did my show here at Aiden, I met a whole group of artists that were working in the same way that I was. And so that was really welcoming. And then when I moved here, we would get together every month or so and we'd just create together. And that was, that was really inspiring to have a community. Every artist expresses their creativity in different ways, finding inspiration in different places. I asked Mandy what inspires and informs her work. I'm kind of looking at how especially women are represented in our contemporary times. And the work that I make is kind of reflecting that and digesting it and trying to make it my own and trying to question the very narrow forms that we see women represented in. So how would she describe the form her inspiration takes? Figurative work, I do portraits of people that I know, and I do a lot of self-portraits, but they're not necessarily supposed to be me. They're just kind of like me spending time thinking about what it is to be a woman in this kind of modern day. So my work, especially lately, has been focusing on mixed race identity because for a long time I was kind of just floating around thinking about feminism in general and like representations of women. I get most of my inspiration from the people that I know, 
like mostly women and non-binary people. They're the people that I paint. And then the impetus for making the work that I do is just sort of like an urge that I have to create. And I know I'm a lot more mentally healthy when I'm creating all the time. Mandy revealed that recently, she started to look inward for new themes to explore. I just started to focus on what was really personal for me. So because I'm half Asian, I've been trying to focus on what kind of things come up. This past summer, Mandy received the chance to participate in Vancouver's first mural festival, creating a piece that can be seen at the Maker Lab studio in East Vancouver. I asked her, what was the experience like? The mural festival was great. I've been watching all of these mural festivals coming about everywhere else in the U.S. and all over the world. So I was like, yes. Showing in local galleries is a great opportunity for Mandy, and the Mural Fest has created a fantastic way to showcase her work to a broader audience. I was curious if her artwork has been well-received in Vancouver or if it's been challenging to make a name for herself in the art world. The U.S. has a really great scene for the kind of work that I do, and so it's really easy to sell work down there. Yeah, I don't really have to try to like fit into a certain way of working. Whereas I think in Vancouver, if you're not doing landscape or abstract, then it's a lot more challenging. How does Mandy address that challenge and still honor her own creative eye? You always have to be open to taking extra stuff. I've found ways to make it work. I make prints and that's a big part of my income. And my partner, he's an illustrator, and so he sells a lot of greeting cards and prints himself, which has done really well here. I asked Mandy what the biggest challenge is for her in building a reputation and a following in Vancouver. There are a lot of galleries that I'm showing at that are closing. So it is kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen next year rents doubling when galleries leases come up and unless you're selling like giant $10,000 or $20,000 paintings it makes it really challenging to be able to convince a landlord that they should give you this space. I think next year is going to be a lot of pop-ups and a lot of artists really collaborating to make spaces happen so it's exciting but it's also like really sad. Despite the gallery closures making it harder to show her work more often, Mandy still has a positive outlook for Vancouver's art scene. I still feel that there's a really strong community here, so I am excited for what is going to come, because I know there are people that appreciate art here. It's a challenge. The heyday of art was like, you get picked up by a gallery and they throw a bunch of money at you and all of a sudden you're rich and famous. That's sort of the storyline that my generation has been fed and that's not a reality. But it is really nice getting to be the person where I meet the collectors and I get to experience how appreciative they are and that's, that's a really energizing thing for me. Mandy explained that things like Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram have changed the game for artists. That's the other interesting shift I've found is that artists are becoming the promoters of galleries 
And I feel like there's been galleries that have contacted me specifically because I have a big social media presence. And so they definitely expect us to advertise for the shows that we're in. With the knowledge that her work is better received in the U.S., does Mandy see a move south in her future? If it was purely based on career, I'm sure I could be doing so much better in New York or L.A. or something. Sort of what we took away from all of our travels was the city that you're in, you just got to make it great. There's really no city that I saw that is as good in so many ways as Vancouver. While Mandy's artistic style can be a little more defined, some artists take a different approach, exploring more than one medium. Meeting Shalom, you could tell she enjoys being more fluid in the way she expresses her creativity. I was excited to learn about her experience as an artist and what new ideas she was offering to the art world. My name is Shalom Johnson, otherwise known as Indigo. I am a multidisciplinary creative and I live on Commercial Drive. I've been back in Vancouver for two years now, after a few years living in South Africa, in Cape Town. I grew up in Burns Lake, which is like a tiny little town in northern BC, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I definitely needed to get out of Burns Lake. I wanted to go to school, and Simon Fraser had a dance program, so I went there. I wasn't really expecting to be here this long. <laughs> when I moved here, I thought that I would go to school and then go somewhere else, but life always takes a turn into something you don't expect. That storyline sounds familiar to many of my friends who have landed here and just stayed for one reason or another. What was it that kept Shalom here? I started working with a group of friends who were all schoolmates of mine. We formed a, a collective and were creating work, getting some small performance opportunities, trying to find ways to present our own work, commissioning choreographers. And that lasted for about four years. At the same time, I was also teaching a lot of preschool dance, creative dance, pre-ballet, hip-hop, like community center, rec center classes, and then working part-time as a secretary. As Shalom says, she's a multidisciplinary creative. Constantly exploring new ideas and methods, she discovered a love for public art. I had been taking a lot of pictures of street art and graffiti and urban space and sort of different details of Vancouver. And at some point, just was kind of like, well, I could just make it instead of taking pictures of it. Starting to build her portfolio as a street artist, she was lucky enough to be offered a contract to teach in South Africa. There, she worked with young artists, passing on her knowledge and working to inspire their own creativity. She found it rewarding, but missed being able to create for herself. You know, I'd spent all this time while I was there helping other people make stuff and learn how to fulfill their own creative aspirations or whatever, and didn't really spend a lot of time on my own artistic career, which is a big part of what brought me back to Vancouver. 
after, I don't know, it was like three months off of having a really steady creative practice of my own, I feel like I'm still really trying to figure out what I'm doing and how I fit into the city that has changed since I've been gone. Has she found it difficult to adjust to being back in Vancouver? And does this place still hold the same feeling for her? I love the city. I do. But I moved here in 2000. And sometimes I find that it's hard to find inspiration from being here. I haven't ever really quite found a niche that I can comfortably fit into for more than a year or two. And I guess it's probably because I do many things that I can't just find somewhere to stick myself and ride it out and be like, yes, this is what I do and this is where I fit into the city. Does her experimental approach to art and desire to keep discovering new creative outlets play a role in trying to find her way in Vancouver? It keeps changing and it keeps me from getting too bored, but it also makes it difficult to build a consistent career. To be honest, a lot of the work that I've been doing this year has been commission-based because I need to pay rent. And I've been lucky to work with a couple of clients that have given me enough freedom to be really engaged with what I'm making, even though it's not something that I would have made had I chosen to. It just kind of worked out that it ended up being just as much for me as it was for them. Shalom admits that while corporate commissions aren't necessarily her ideal way to be creative, they provide a peace of mind. If you're spending all your time worrying about how you're going to pay for your life, it's really hard to put that aside and focus on making something. (laughs) So if you take those worries out of the picture, even somewhat, it's a lot easier to have some space for your brain to breathe and, you know, feel a bit more creative and more inspired and even to just be able to see the city in a different way. With her ever-changing creative process, I was curious what Shalom is working on these days. Right now, I have a music project called Suffer the Children with my boyfriend, Chin and Jetty, and another friend who's from London named Ryan Peters. Aside from like, like it's cool to be making music and putting it out into the world, I'm really enjoying collaborating with people that know a lot more about music than I do. It's opening up not just a new way of working, but also a new community of people that are teaching me things and I get to teach them things and we all get to be inspired by each other. I have all these ideas and somehow most of the things that I've wanted to do in life have happened in some way. (laughs) Last year or the year before, I was talking a lot about how I am what I wanted to be when I grew up, which is a nice feeling. I have faith that things will work themselves out and that if I do enough work for myself and work hard enough at doing the best with where I am at when I'm there, then the next part will come when it's supposed to. Throughout the course of creating this podcast, I've been fortunate to hear the music of some great local musicians I would likely not have known about otherwise. I wondered if the experience for local musicians is similar to those of visual artists like Mandy and Shalom. 
I was lucky enough to sit down with Sister Says, a brother and sister duo who grew up in Coquitlam, to talk about their experiences in the local music scene. Hi, I'm Robert Thompson. And I'm Jillian Thompson. And we're from the band Sister Says. We're mixed Haida Simpson artists creating soulful pop music. Having grown up together, how long have they been making music? We've been performing together for about 10 years, but uh, we're brother and sister, so I think we've been making music a lot longer. Jillian lives in an Aboriginal artist residency in Chinatown, while Rob enjoys living a little further out in Port Coquitlam. Not only is it nice to be out of the bustle of the city, but living there also means he has the space for a home studio. I was curious if that's where they rehearsed their songs before bringing them to a professional recording studio. It's home demos. A lot of it, what we record, ends up on the record. Sometimes it starts and then we'll take ideas from those recordings and sometimes they'll sneak their way into the recordings. But most of our pre-production is done at my home studio. Sister Says keeps them busy for large chunks of the year. But Rob and Jillian also take on work that fills the gaps when they're not touring or performing. Luckily, that work is within the music industry. Right now I work for a music booking agency and it's for corporate bookings mainly. So that actually supplements. And I recently put together like a jazz duo that I perform in that does like steady monthly work. So right now it's more like that other types of arts work that supplements. And then I teach vocal lessons as well. So yeah, it's really a mix. I usually will pick up three or four sort of outside contracts from music throughout the year. So last year I did some work for the Vancouver Children's Festival. I did a little bit of other work for private events, but for the most part, I just do music. So usually the summer, Sister Says, kind of takes up most of our time just touring. Jill and I also teach workshops. So it's weird because we'll go from a point of like, it's just Sister Says for three, four months, and it's really, really busy. And then we will take a bit of a break and we'll kind of go do some other gigs and then we'll come back to it. But for the most part, yeah, everything I do right now is music. It was clear from meeting them that they both love making music, but we're open to explore avenues outside of Sister Says. I would say music is my baby, but I'm starting to build another passion and other types of things like acting. And I'm starting to get like voiceover work, which has been really interesting. So yeah, we'll see where that goes. I think we both really cherish and value Sister Says. We've been doing it since like our entire adult lives. So I think we take it for granted just the fact that we can just do it and we constantly get work doing it and gigging. And we've seemed to work pretty well together. It's definitely the thing that we'll both can go off. Joe will do some jazz gigs and I'll play with another band for a little while. And it's like, we always sort of come back to it. It's kind of like I find that it's the root of my creativity. That's definitely what I'm most proud of as a creative project, as Sister Says. Jillian shared her ideas on why she thinks their band has become such a constant for her and Rob. Yeah, it's like a lot has stemmed out of Sister Says and we always come back to it no matter what. I think just because it's so like growing up with someone, <laughs> you just, it's so easy to like just work with them all the time if you are able to get along. <laughs> and Rob and I, like we do have our differences, like brother and sister type of thing. And just in general, but then I think we're able to just kind of get over it too because we're family. You can say weird things to each other and then it can just kind of forget about it. <laughs> The music industry has changed pretty rapidly over the past decade, and Rob and Jillian are looking for creative ways to manage this shifting terrain while still being able to make the music they love. 
We're kind of looking at starting to release and record singles and have videos created in the spring. And it would be kind of like we're just recording one month and then the next month making a video for that recording and then the next month releasing it with the video rather than holding it closed for like a long time and then having a video eventually in this grand release. It's more about just kind of keeping the momentum going, I guess. What else is changing the way they release music? When we started doing music, as Sister says, in 2006, marketing wasn't even something we thought about. Social media was pretty new at that point as far as what we know of it today. Like We've been learning as we're going of what's the best way for us to get our music out into the world. I look at it now and it's like, we could finish the song and have it mixed, done in a couple of days, upload it and then have it on Spotify within the next few weeks or on SoundCloud or on Bandcamp. We generate a lot more off of those avenues than putting it on a CD and then hoping something's gonna happen for it. And I think along with that, with cool video content, for us, I think we found a really good way to work and for people to notice what we're doing. Long-term, It'd be great to release something and a whole bunch of people download it and pay for it. But if more people notice it, we're releasing it as free content, but we're getting more gig options and cooler opportunities down the line. I think that's far more important. Rob admits that while he enjoys how social media has helped them increase their audience as a band, he's not crazy about how the business aspect can take away from the creative process. It's really Jillian who is embracing the new ways of approaching marketing and promotion. Yeah, I think if you just do something a different way, too, and can catch people's attention. I do find it interesting in the way of the creative side of it, because you have control over your own image and, and things like that. I like that aesthetic side of it. But yeah, it can take away from the actual creation of music and different ideas. But yeah, I think it's just kind of trying to find that balance. And there's no like perfect answer. But you know, sometimes it's important to not do any business one day, right? Uh, if you can. <laughs> what always motivates me at the end of the day, though, is just having other people hear what we're doing and like having that connection to other people. Sister Says has built a following that continues to grow, and each release builds on the success of the last. With such a positive response publicly, is there anything happening behind the scenes that Jillian and Rob have had to adapt to to keep their momentum? Some of the challenge is just finding a space to create and play music for us. It just seems like anytime there's something neat and cool, it just kind of goes away. So yeah, there's again. a lot of like those secret venues, yeah. you know, like artist run spaces that are so cool. But again, like having shows at places like that, there's only so many people that are going to know about it. Or like it's very like hidden. Have they found the local audiences to be supportive? As far as an audience, I think the support system here is pretty good. People come to shows, but you do have to work at it. Vancouver is a fickle city, so if there's something else happening or it's raining, people might not come to your show, but that's okay. There's all these scenes of people that go to music that kind of come together, but that are also kind of in their own pockets as well. I think Vancouver is very much like that, where people sometimes say that our community isn't as connected or like we're not always the most outgoing people but I think there is that connection I think you just have to find it more like you have to try harder to find the deeper connection and yeah that turns into like weird little venues or little galleries and things like that I like that what about the community do Rob and Jillian feel they're a part of a scene here I think there's an unbelievable amount of talent here 
I'm blown away by bands that come up that I haven't heard of. And I've heard this rap of Vancouver that people aren't sometimes very nice. And I've found it to be the total opposite. It's all about connections with people. And I find the connections here is what really keeps me here. As artists, mm -hmm. we have to kind of just take it over and not, you know, not give up. Just keep working at it because we can, you know, make it happen. We can make cool things happen, but it kind of starts with us, I think. Mandy, Shalom, Jillian, and Rob are all exploring various kinds of success as artists, enjoying support from within and outside of their respective communities. Speaking with each of them made it clear that the art scene is alive and well in Metro Vancouver, and artists find inspiration in not only the people they meet, but also the environment around them. The common challenge seems to be finding or maintaining spaces to share their creative work with a wider audience, and it appears that artists are finding new and inventive ways of addressing that, be it pop-up shows, secret venues, or artist live-work collectives. If audiences continue to show their support by taking time to discover smaller artists, attending live performances, and sharing their ideas with their own communities, we will always have a vibrant art scene here. I love exploring new creative outlets and seeing the amazing talent that's bubbling under the surface in this city. I find it inspiring to discover exciting ways that people express themselves, and it keeps me forever tapped into my creativity, encouraging me to hold on to my own visual arts background and never stop pushing myself to see inspiration everywhere. The Straight and Narrows is a collaboration by Modacity and is written and produced by Chris Bruntlett and myself, Melissa Bruntlett. A very big thanks to Christophe Prevo, our sound engineer and editor, Todd LeBlanc, our marketing director, David Fu, and our music supervisor, Gina Less. This episode has featured music by our new friends, Sister Says.
and shimmer. Big lights reflected our bottles in darkness. Boss and shimmer. Big lights reflected our bottles in darkness. Boss and shimmer. Big lights reflected our bottles in darkness.